smile like Norman. How are we doing today? Hey, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, a couple housekeeping things that we need to, to talk about. Big weekend next weekend. All right, big weekend. September the 11th. Listen, this is what we have going on. The first thing that we have is we're going to two services. That's something that I'm excited about. Hey, um, I know many of you have already scanned the QR code. You've let us know what service you're going to. So we have an 845 service, and we still have our 1015 service. So it's a great opportunity for you and your family to kind of pick what service that you're going to. Hey, this, this is what I would say. Maybe there's some of you in the room that you're kind of teetering back and forth. Maybe we should go to the first service. Maybe not. Listen, commit to the first service. Some of you just commit to the first service for, for the next month. Just see what happens. We want to fill the room. We know that if we make more room in here, so statistically, why are we doing it? Um, Barna Group came out with a study several years back, and, and research shows this. If new people come into the room and the room is already 80% full, then they feel like there's not a space for them. I'm saying this as Brian King is bringing chairs in for people who are sitting down right now. But if you can tell, like, the, the room is full, so that's why we're going to two services. So let's commit to kind of stepping into one or the other. The other thing that's happening next week, Pastor Keith's excited about this. We have our group launch. If you're a group leader, make some noise in the room. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, I, I am partial to the groups that I'm a part of. Um, I'm, in, I'm in a group every Thursday morning at 615. Uh, I think last week we had 18 guys. The week before that we had 22. Man, we're diving into a, a Bible study. And what I love is that it challenges me to be better. Man, that group of men challenged me to be better. If they don't hear from me, if I'm not texting, if I'm not responding to the group text, I'll get kind of individual texts going, hey, where were you? Is everything okay? That's why we do groups. Our tagline here at Multiply Church is this, do what you love with people that you love. We don't care what the group is. We don't care if it's pickleball. We don't care if it's basketball or volleyball or a game night or a Bible study or maybe you're going through the sermon the next week. We don't care what it is. Just do what you love with people that you love. So let's make sure we sign up for our groups next week. Today, we have Party with the Pastors right after service. Let me tell you what Party with the Pastors is. We do it the first Sunday of every month. The reason we do that is for new individuals to step into a room, learn who we are, the direction that we're going, learn our history, learn our future, our vision, and it's an opportunity, if you're new, for you to ask any questions that you want to know about the church that's happening today, right after service. So if you signed up for that, make sure you just follow the signs and we'll get after it. Last little announcement that I have. This is where I need you guys to make more noise than you've ever made before because it's something that I'm really excited about. But on September the 25th, we're having a family day to celebrate Multiplied Church Lake Norman turning five years old. Man, it's something that I'm excited about. So what's that day going to look like? It's going to be a normal service per se. We're going to have both services, 845 and 1015. We're going to have worship and the word, but then we're going to party hard after. We're going to have blow-ups for the kids. We're going to have a dunk tank. We're going to have food trucks, all kinds of stuff going on. But this is what I'm most excited about. Right after service outside, we're going to be doing baptisms. So I'm excited for that, but we're going to celebrate five years, all that God has done and all that he is going to do. That's a good picture, isn't it? Man, look at Ellie. Ellie's growing up. Like, that's crazy. How, are the, where's the Hudsons? Where are y'all? How old was she when y'all started coming? Like three? The girl's in like first grade now. She was two. That's wild. That was five years ago. We're celebrating five years. We're going to baptize some more people. So, man, I'm excited about that. We ask this question at, at Multiply Church. We don't ask who are you inviting. We ask who you're bringing. Because if I ask you who you're inviting, that gives you a way out. 
Well, I invited them and they just didn't come. But if I ask you who you're bringing, that puts the ownership back on you. So I'm asking everybody in the room, who are you bringing? I'm asking myself, Zach, who are you bringing September 25th? So, man, I pray that God will kind of give you a name, drop a person in your heart that you can invite. That's not true. That you can bring to church on September the 25th. We've stepped into our new series called Last Days, going through the book of Revelation. Uh, last week, man, we asked a few of these questions. What's going on in the world? Are we living in the last days? Is Jesus coming back? Those are all questions that many of us in the room want to know, but we found this in Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. And it reads like this, Now we see through a glass dimly, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. Listen, church, all that we know is partial and incomplete. It's not up to us to know exactly when Jesus is coming back. But scripture goes on to say, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. Last week, we dove into Revelation chapter 1. We got through the first three verses. I'll read them to you. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written, because the time is near. And maybe you missed last week or, or maybe you need a little refresher. But let me tell you what we talked about. Some components that we mentioned last week is this. Number one. We shouldn't be afraid of the book of Revelation. Just because we don't fully understand it does, doesn't mean that we should be afraid of it. If it's in the Bible, we should absolutely go through it. If it's in the Bible, we should read it. If it's in the Bible, we should work to understand it. But what we also know is this. It's simply a progressive revealing or uncovering of who Jesus is. That, that's what the book of Revelation is all about. We also determine this. I don't like it when people use the book of Revelation to emphasize the devil. I, I feel like some people get fascinated with the devil. I made this comment last week. We want to ask the question, who's the beast? What's the mark of the beast? Who's the Antichrist? Is all of that stuff important? Absolutely it is, because it's in the Bible. Is it the most important thing in the book of Revelation? Absolutely not. The most important thing in the entire Bible is Jesus and Jesus alone. Nothing should be put above Jesus, regardless of the book of the Bible that you're reading. So when we infatuate over who's the Antichrist, what's the mark of the beast, and all these questions, what we're doing is elevating that above who Jesus is. We're not called to do that. So in reading the book of Revelation, what we understand is that it's a progressive revealing of who Jesus is. I can always be aware of the devil, but I'm always focused on Jesus. There, there's a different difference in being focused and fixated on the devil and just being aware of him. Listen, I'm aware of who he is. I'm aware of how he tries to work in my life. The Bible says what he roams around like a lion to what? To skill, to still kill and destroy. I'm aware of who and what he's trying to do, but I'm not focused on him. My eyes are always fixed on who Jesus is. We also understand that the closer we get to Jesus, the more we see things for what they truly are are so again when is jesus coming back we have no idea you don't have an idea i don't have an idea but what i know is this we're closer today than we were yesterday and i also read in matthew chapter 24 4 verse 36 but concerning that day and hour no one knows not even the angels of heaven nor the son but the father only 
that verse kind of wrecked me. Because if I read that, okay, the, the angels don't know. I can vibe with that. But the son, Jesus doesn't know. O- only the father knows. I don't know. You don't know. Jesus doesn't know. Only the father knows. So let's pick up in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, starting in verse 4. We're going to be at uh, verse 4 through 8 today. So if you're taking notes, somebody came up to me this morning during worship, made my heart so happy. They said, hey, guess what? I ran back outside to get my notebook so I could take notes. <laughs> Thank you, Kayla. Someone, someone else walked in the door and like held up their notebook. Like, listen, I believe in taking notes. If you're a parent in the room, you want your kids to take notes in class. You want your kids to be able to study what's going on. Why, why am I leaning into this? Because too often what I think we do is we come in as a church, and not just our church, but church collective, and we just consume and consume and consume. And then what we do is we try to memorize stuff in 45 minutes opposed to dwelling on it and, and learning, through, learning about it throughout the week. How do you expect to tell the world about Jesus if you don't even know what the Bible says? How do we, one thing that our Bible study has wrecked me with is, is memorizing scripture. First Timothy chapter three, verse 16 through 18. Where's my boys in the room? That's, that's our memory verse this week. I gotta, I gotta memorize that. All scripture is God breathe. Let me stop before I get off on a tangent and preach something else. Revelation chapter one, starting in verse four. John to the seven churches in the province of Asia, Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sin by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Verse 7, look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all people on the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. And God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Hey, let me encourage all of us as we read through the book of Revelation and really through Scripture, for that matter, that sometimes less is more. If you're like me, anybody ever read and you're 10 pages deep into whatever you're reading and then you kind of blink and look up and go, I have no idea what I just read. Anybody? And it's like, I've got to turn all the way back. And Chaz is like, that, that's me. And then you go all the way back and you get through three more pages and you're like, I still don't understand what I just read. It's like, I got to focus. Sometimes less is more. If you notice last week, we made it through three verses. This week, we're going to make it through five verses because we're going to try to go deep and understand what's going on in the scriptures. So go back to verse four. John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. So if I set this up a bit, we have the apostle John who is the one that's writing the book of Revelation by the guiding of the Holy Spirit, and he's specifically writing to seven churches. And we see those seven churches in Revelation chapter 3, and those seven churches are Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Over the next seven weeks, as we're going through the book of Revelation, we're going to pick out one of those churches, study it a bit deeper, understand what was happening then, and how we can apply it now. So we understand that John's writing to these seven churches, but if we keep on reading, he says this, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. So who is, who was, and who is 
to come. See, John is referencing God the Father, and throughout Revelation, we have to understand and have a working knowledge of who God is. The triune Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this working understanding. So in reading the book of Revelation, number one, we have to understand the characteristics of God the Father. Before we get into chapter 3 and 4 and 5 and 17 and 18 and, and where stuff can be a little like what in the world is going on, we have to understand the characteristics of God. So in doing so, we understand that God is omnipotent. That means that he's all-powerful. Now, skeptics would ask this question. Can God create a stone that's too heavy for him to lift? You know, you start getting some of those into the, some of those theological conversations and some of those theological debates. Well, if God is all-powerful, can he create a stone so big that he can't lift it? St. Thomas Aquinas resolved this paradox by limiting God's omnipotence to the creation of possible situations. And, and I love this, Renee Descartes, she says this, she resolved it a little differently by stating that God can create such a stone and then he can lift it. Like, we, we try to put God inside this box, inside this paradox of our finite understanding. We have to conceptualize that God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. But God is also omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows the past, the present, and the future. Because God is the source of knowledge. God also knows all possibilities of any situation. God knows every person's thoughts even before we think it. A.W. Tozer wrote this in The Pursuit of God. He said, he is omniscient, which means he knows in one free and effortless act all matter, all spirit, all relationships, and all events. So you and I, do we have free will? Can we make our own decisions? Yes, we can. But God knows all of the decisions that are possible for us to make. He stands outside of our linear timeline. The problem is, again, we try to conceptualize God in our finite being and put him in our finiteness opposed to letting him be infinite. So God is omnipresent as well. He's everywhere at all times. We know that in the book of Hebrews, God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Psalm chapter 23 verse 4 says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let me, let me kind of make an illustration of this. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick on some people, all right? I don't need you to argue with me or, you know, say no. I am your parent. You are the child. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird. I'm just going to ask you to come up front. And the first person I'm going to pick on is my wife. So, Jenna, if you could stand right here and face this way, all right, this direction, all right? You are numero uno okay now everybody else that I, I call out or call on what I'm going to ask you to do is just get in a line and stand right in front of the person that's behind you okay ready you're new today so I'm going to pick you knew it was coming you knew it was coming right did they tell you that I pick on new people all right so one two let's go three let's go four uh let's go five because I can do that uh let's go oh Cammy. yeah you're gonna go six Cammy, go ahead. Oh, do you need, are you messing with, oh, you can do the vans. Okay, dad's got vans. All right, Sheldon's got the vans. All right, six. Uh, let's see. You've got the baby, so I can't pick on you. Go ahead. How many is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, let's see. 
<laughs> you know what's funny? When I'm walking by right now, everybody's doing this. <laughs> don't look at me. Don't look at me. Let me go to the other side. Hey, Sam, what I need you to do is go ahead and stand, uh, stand in front of Bryce for me, Sam. Let's go to this side. All right, who else wants to get in line over here? All right, you raise your hand. You raise your hand. So that's a no. I'm going to pick <laughs> you. Yeah, she's like, oh, crap. Uh, and let's get my, my pickleball pal right here. All right, you go up. And then I'm going to have you go up as well. All right, so everybody just got to get in a line for me. So this, okay, Zach, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? How many people do we have? One, two, three, four. Let me get, let me get three more people. Just go stand in line. Three more people. Ready, set, go. Three more people. Ready, set, go. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Beautiful. I love it. So, hey, why am I doing this? Let me kind of give you this analogy. So I have a few people standing in line. But if I can get you to imagine that this is our linear timeline. This is how we understand life. It's one step in front of the other. But again, if you take a look at what God is, God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. So he's all-powerful, all-knowing, and he's everywhere at all times. So now I need someone to play God. You're not going to be God. You're just going to play God. Okay, so who can I, let's see, who can I, JJF, come on, you can, you can be God for me. Come on, come up here, come up here, come up here, come up here. Everybody give it up for God, I mean JJF. All right, so you're going to come on stage with me. All right, just hop up here. But again, this is our linear progression of our life. And sometimes the problem is we want to understand what's at the, or at the end of our life opposed to what's at the beginning of our life. We want to understand where we're going. We want to say, hey, God, where am I going to be three years from now? Where am I going to be five years from now? Where am I going to be tomorrow? What's going to happen in my life? What decisions do I need to make? But here's the problem. Who's the first person in line? I can't see that far. Is it? I got you. All right. So Jenna. Let me, okay, so I'll make it easy for you, and I'll pick out somebody that you know. Jenna, look straight in front of you. Jenna, without moving to the left or to the right, what color shoes does Cammy have on? <laughs> you, you have no idea, right? But that's the way that we treat God. God, I want to know what's, what's down the road. God, I want to know what's happening. And then, Jay, Jeff, you're, you're not God. You're playing God. Cammy. Ask, say, Cammy, raise your hand. All right, so, so here's the deal. You're all-powerful. You're all-knowing. You're everywhere at all times. You don't have to work in this linear progression. So why don't you just walk over and see what color shoes Cammy has on? So what color shoes does Cammy have on? You're colorblind, aren't you? Beige, yellow. Be beige, yellow. You're a god that can be whatever color you want him to be. Yeah, it's my color. All right. Because here's the deal. Everybody's sitting down. All right. Rich, what color are Cammy's shoes? No idea. Because God said it, right? So here's the funny thing. We want to trust God when he says something. Right? Because he can, he can see it. But, but do we really approach life that way? Jenna, who is the third person in line? You're, you're looking to the right. You're cheating. But you have access to God. So why don't you ask God who the third person in line is? Hey, Jay Jeff, if you don't know him, just go ask him their name. Run up there. Ready? Do you want, I know you're not playing football anymore. You're kind of slow. You're getting old. No, third person from the front. Ready? Everybody move to the right. Everybody move to the right. We have access to God. Jay Jeff, what's her name? Stephanie. Stephanie. Do you trust that her name is Stephanie? Why? 
because God told you so. Everybody give it up for everybody that's in line. Y'all can go sit down. God, you can go sit down. See, see, and understand, I know it's funny. It's like, oh, they were in line. Some of those people that stood up there, they're like, well, why did I have to stay in line? Because you were part of the timeline, okay? You played a role. <laughs> but but here, here's the problem. We see partially and God sees fully. Go ahead and leave that slide up there. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere at all times. Jenna trusted what J. Jeff said. Why? Because he was God. Do you really trust what God is telling you in and through your life? Because a lot of times we'll say, hey, God, what's going on five years from now? Opposed to going, hey, God, can you, just, can you just show me my next step? Can you just show me the next day? We want the details of the future without trusting God here and now. We'll never fully understand what Scripture says, especially the book of Revelation, if we don't know the characteristics of God. We have to understand that he's infinite, that we are finite. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. Now we see through a glass dimly, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. Listen, all that we know now is partial and incomplete, but God knows everything. If you truly trust who God is, then know that you have access to the creator of all. But do you trust that he is who he says he is. Do you trust that he's omnipresent? Do you trust that he's everywhere at all times? Do you trust that he's omnipotent? Do you trust that he's all powerful? Do you trust that he's omni, I said omnipresent, omnipotent, which one? Omniscient. Do you trust that he's all knowing? That he knows every decision that you could ever make in your entire life. This is what I know about God and this has helped me through my spiritual walk is that God can handle absolutely every question that I throw at him. God can handle every doubt that I have. God can handle every concern that I have. God can handle my anger when I don't understand the direction that my life is going. God can handle anything and everything that I throw at him. The problem is, I think, sometimes we feel like God can't handle who we really are, so we never want to fully present ourselves before God. God can absolutely handle anything that you'll ever present before him humanity you and I we are finite beings there's only so much that we can understand but God is infinite and he sees the full picture number two is this in reading the book of Revelation we have to understand the power of Jesus the son keep reading in scripture and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood see Jesus was and is he was and is the faithful witness he was and is the firstborn from the dead Zach what does that mean that means that Jesus conquered hell death in the grave by living a perfect life remember he was born he lived a perfect life he was crucified on the cross a spear was jammed into his side and blood and water flowed pronouncing him dead he was wrapped into linens put in a grave and he stole the keys of hell death and the grave and then he rose from the dead then we have to recognize that he's the ruler of the kings of the earth listen there's no position of earthly authority that's over him I don't care who's in office. I don't care what title people have. I don't care what degrees individuals have. I don't care who's in charge of what, what their title is. Jesus is the ruler of all. So with those two things, with understanding that he's the ruler of the king of the earth and he's the firstborn from the dead, 
and what he displayed on the cross with his blood flowing, he is the only one that has the authority to free us from our sin. We have to understand that sin is anything that separates us from God. Anything that you feel is holding you back. Anything you feel that's holding you down. Anything that's telling you that you're not good enough. Anything that's telling you that you're inadequate. It's any past failure or past mistake. Hey, can I tell you a secret? It's any future mistake. It's any future failure. Why? Because God is outside outside of our linear timeline. We try to put God inside this box. Well, if, if God only knew what I did when I was, and you fill in your only blank, hey, newsflash, he already knows it. And he's already accepted it. And he's already taken it. And you know what? He says, hey, I said this last week, I'll trade you. I'll trade you what you have for what I have. And I promise you what he has is always far greater. We have to understand the characteristics and the fullness of God before we continue to dive into the book of Revelation. But in reading the book of Revelation, we have to understand our role in working with the Holy Spirit. Verse 6 says this, And has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve, to serve his God and Father. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. We serve so that he can get the glory, so that he can get the power. We don't serve so that the spotlight's on us. Hey, newsflash, we are never the lead role we are always the supporting cast. Our life should be given as a supporting cast to expand the kingdom, to make God known. We are vessels empowered by the Holy Spirit for one purpose, and that's to serve. To serve. In Scripture, Luke puts it this way, we are called to turn the world upside down. So how do we serve? What is this great mission? It's to share the good news of who Jesus is. It's to tell people about Jesus. Go back to last week, Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. It's a progressive revelation of who Jesus is. It's a progressive revealing or unveiling of who Jesus is. When we serve, we progressively reveal who Jesus is to other people. That's why we're called to give of ourselves. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're empowered. But we have to remember the who and the what. The who and the what. Who empowered us? The Father through the shedding of Jesus' blood. Who provides the fuel? It's the Holy Spirit. Who ignites the passion and the fire? It's not a book. It's not a podcast. It's only the Holy Spirit. The disciples were unschooled, ordinary people. But then they were empowered by the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Church, you and I are men and women that are ordinary people until we encounter the Holy Spirit. But for what? For one reason, to share the good news or the revelation of who Jesus is to the world. It's not so that we gain this knowledge so that we can hold on to it, but it's so that we can reveal it to the world. It's so that we can unveil who God is to the world. In Exodus chapter 33, the Israelites are wandering in the deserts, in the desert, and God tells Moses to travel in a specific direction. And this is his response in Exodus chapter 33, verse 15. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. If your presence does not go with us, I don't want to go. God, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't care. I don't, 
I don't want any part in it. For those parents in the room, I don't know if, if you're like me. Some, some people like dread bedtime. Some people like bedtime for their kids. In this season that I'm in right now, I love bedtime. And, and this is why. Even though it can be a little frustrating sometimes, I love that. And it happened again last night. But my daughter, she'll brush her teeth. She'll come downstairs. Piper will say, Daddy, you take me, you take me to bed? I'm like, yeah, sure, babe. She goes, but, but I want to ride on your back up the stairs. So, like, we had this little thing where she jumps on my back, and I take her up the stairs, and then I turn around backwards, and she falls onto her bed, and then she'll say, Daddy, I want to do it again. I'm like, oh, Lord, you're 40 pounds now. All right, come on, babe. Daddy, Daddy, one, one more time. And I'll be honest with you, I had a conversation earlier this week. The reason I keep doing it over and over again is because there will be one day that she will ask that I don't take her to bed. There will be a day, oh, good Lord, don't get emotional. Wow. But there's going to be a day that she doesn't want to ride on her dad's back. There, there's going to be a day that she doesn't want to you know, fall into the bed. But in this season, this is what I'm learning. She's teaching me more about my relationship with Jesus than, than most people can. Because when that little four-and-a-half-year-old says, Daddy, I don't want to go to bed unless you take me upstairs. It just reminds me of this scripture. God, I don't want to go anywhere unless you go with me. What if we really approached our spiritual walk that way? Hey, God, I don't want that promotion. I don't want that job title unless you go with me. God, I don't, I don't want to start that business unless you go with me. God, I don't, just go step on some toes. God, I don't, I don't want to step into that marriage unless you go with me. God, I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to continue in that relationship unless you go with me. God, I don't want any part of a future that you're not in. So if we understand the book of Revelation, that it's a progressive revealing of who Jesus is, that he's going to progressively reveal in this linear timeline, regardless of where we find ourselves in life, regardless of the season, regardless of the situation, regardless of what we're going through, God promises that he will never leave us or never forsake us. So again, do you really trust the words of the Bible? Do you really trust what God is saying? I don't want to go anywhere unless God goes with me. So this is what we're going to do. We're all going to stand. We're going to go back into worship. Amory's going to lead us. The team's going to lead us. And maybe you would make that your prayer. Maybe you would make that your commitment. That you don't want to go anywhere in your life unless God goes with you. Spirit out, pour your spirit out. So ask God right now, oh, pour, holy your out. pour your spirit out, God. It's the power of your presence. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit
for your spirit to pour out. That we wouldn't be afraid of the spirit working in and through us. That we wouldn't be afraid of the conversations that you're challenging us to have. That we wouldn't be afraid of the direction that you're calling us. With every head still bowed and eyes still closed. I'll read it again, Exodus chapter 33, verse 15. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Lord, as a church, we don't want to do anything or go anywhere unless your presence goes with us. I don't care how many people are in the room. I don't care the size of this church. All we care for is that people encounter your love, your grace, and your forgiveness. That people encounter the Holy Spirit. God, we don't want to go anywhere unless you go with us. Maybe you're in this room. I do this every week, man. This is the reason why we do what we do. Because the most important decision that you could ever make in your entire life is to step into a relationship with Jesus. And maybe, maybe for the first time in your life, you recognize that you don't want to go anywhere unless, unless the presence of God goes with you. Maybe you've never fully stepped into a relationship with Jesus and today might be your day. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I'm going to ask you to pray. We're going to say a prayer collectively because the Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, then we will be saved. So maybe that's you. Maybe you need to step into a relationship with Jesus this morning all across this room. On the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand. Ready? One, two, three. And then you can put those hands right back down. And then let's say this prayer collectively. Can we say, Jesus, I need you. I don't want to go anywhere without you. Come into my life. And forgive me of my sins. Help me to live wide awake to your love and fully alive to my purpose. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, can we make some noise for the individuals who just accepted Jesus? The Bible tells us that all of heaven is rejoicing for the people that just stepped into a relationship. Listen, if that was you, we believe that's the most important decision you can ever make but it's not the end. It's not like some magic pill that you can take. It's about following Jesus daily. So right outside of these doors to the left, we have our wide awake and fully alive area. We have some materials that we wanna give to you. We have some individuals that wanna talk to you, learn your story so that you can truly become a disciple of Jesus. Again, can we make some noise for those people who just accepted Jesus? Hey, thanks for joining us today at Multiply Church. We can't wait to see you again next week, either in person or online, as we continue to love Jesus and change the world.